I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our one o'clock get-together here on Chasing Justice. So recently, we, we talked a lot about evil and Iran and, and what's going to happen over there and where what are we doing. So let me just run, let me run a list by you because one of the concepts here is the understanding of what is weakness and how does it really work and that seems to be a theme in lots of things. So let's, let's hear this list and I'm sure I'm going to miss some things. So if you can think of a few, get on the americaoutloud.news platform, uh, find Chasing Justice, find Lieutenant Joe and send me a message. I'll add them to my list. But here's what I got. Just listen to this list. The Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, cutting off our own oil production and shutting down pipelines and shutting down fracking and shutting down American production of gas and oil. The Ukrainian war and the war effort. Um, Chinese threats to the world and their buildup around the planet wide open borders in America and over 300 people on the terrorist watch list identified, let alone the over a million gotaways, which we have no idea who they are getting into the country. Uh, releasing Iran from its sanctions and freeing up billions of dollars for them. Talking down Israel in their efforts to protect their country in their fight against a terrorist organization. The politics of the day, of lies, the media. Michelle Obama potentially stepping in. Okay, so that list right there, that's, that's just a couple of things, right? What do they all have in common? Afghanistan withdrawal, cutting off oil production, Ukrainian war, Chinese threats, open borders, um, six million people in our country, more than 33 states combined, right? Money released to Iran, not supporting Israel, and the politics of the day. Those are all weaknesses of the Biden administration. Now, I'm sure there's even more. We can talk about his mental acuity. We can talk about his inability to, to speak clearly. The rest of the world sees him as a feeble old man, uh, and that is not good for the world. But all of these things lead up to a perception, and perceptions are a lot in a world where people look at strength as the most important thing, right? So you can like him or not like him, Donald Trump, ran a good economy. He did. The economy was really well, really good. People were working, making money. The economy was booming. We had a strong military. We had uh, grudging respect around the world. Whether you like America or not, you knew, don't trifle with America, right? Trump is not someone to, to be fooled with. He will do something serious if you do something serious, right? He punches back. And everybody kind of knew that. When we see this, this dichotomy, this change from Trump to Biden, and we see that weakness comes in, do you think Putin would have ever attacked Ukraine 
if Trump was still there? No. And Trump will tell you, I told him, don't do it. It'll be very bad for you. Now, does that mean a war with Russia? No, it doesn't mean a war with Russia. It means he would he, he put sanctions on him. He may have may have done something more drastic. He may have supported directly the Ukrainians. Who knows? Right. But the threat was enough to keep him at bay. As soon as Trump was gone, boom, there he goes into Ukraine and starts this war, causing untold thousands of deaths on both sides, his own and on the Ukrainian side, and the destruction of people's lives in their country. The Chinese threatening to go into Taiwan. Uh, Trump told them, don't do it. It'll be bad. And he didn't do it. Now they're threatening to do it, right? Because they see weakness. Weakness is what uh, allows people to do things that are are really terrible. So let's look at the border. Let's look at the border for a minute. Is that a weakness? Now, there are two sides to the argument. And again, we got to remember, we are divided in this country between traditional America and nouveau socialism America, what people want, what they see as uh, evil America, bad America has to be, you know, put down and shut off and shut down and gotten rid of and all this nonsense. Well, when the world sees President Biden and it's an opportunity to do things that they wouldn't normally do, that's not good for us. It's not good for our country. The border being wide open, I think they, 6 million people have come in since Joe Biden took over. Uh, and like I said, the statistic is that I think it's higher than this, but 300 people on the terrorist watch list. That's not including the million to two million gotaways. These are people that we, we just saw them, but we couldn't catch up to them in the way they went. They're bringing in drugs. They're bringing all that. Off my list, I could have added um, hundreds of thousands of fentanyl deaths from drugs coming across the border. The, the cartels, human smuggling, the suffering of women and children uh, trying to get to America. All of these things are added up to the weakness column. And what's sad about this, what's sad about this is that right now, President Biden has, what, a 32% approval rating, 38% lowest of any president, this, that, and the other thing. Once the election comes around, if he still is the candidate, that's going to tighten right up. And it's probably going to go to 50 or 51% of people are going to vote for him. That's just the sad reality of America. Uh, and then, oh, Nikki Haley, should everyone vote for her? Well, you know, you might. It, it, she might be a candidate who could get elected. But that's not because she's a super conservative. She's super strong. She would have respect around the world. It's because she's a weak Republican. She's in the Bush line of Republicans. And people seem to like that. They seem to like that weakness. They don't like strength. And that's the purpose of our conversation today. So... When I look at that and I see Joe Biden and I, I see that presentation that he makes, this is dangerous for all of us, for our children and our grandchildren, because people evil will do things that it wouldn't normally do when it's unless it sees weakness and it, it, weakness is in a bound from this guy. Look at all the way around. Now, letting all those people in, is that... Um, is that appropriate? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I looked up a couple of things here. So is, is President Biden supposed to uphold the laws of the United States? Is that what he's supposed to do? Support the Constitution in, in 
always, right? The presidential oath of office is different than other oaths of office. And specifically, the president says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, there's a couple of lines in there that are pretty interesting. To the best of my ability. So, is this the best of Joe Biden's ability? Is his mental deficits so bad that what we're seeing is the best he can do to support the Constitution of the United States. Now, in that Constitution are your Second Amendment rights. And is he supporting that or is he constantly trying to attack Second Amendment rights? But his oath says he will preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Your free speech rights, aren't they in that Constitution? Shouldn't he be standing up? Shouldn't he be the first one standing up to say, this isn't right, freedom of speech is important, we don't, we don't cut out speech we don't like, we don't kick people off ballots because we don't like them, so people can't express themselves, we don't do those things. Shouldn't he be the first one doing that? He is, but he's not doing it. Is it the law of the United States? Do we have immigration laws that talk about people who come in illegally and what they do? Yes, we do. So that leads me to the second thing I have here, let's see. Um, does the president have to enforce the laws that have been passed by Congress or can he can he pick and choose? Can he pick and choose? I'm going to enforce these laws. I'm not going to enforce those laws. Uh, I'm going to do what I think is right. Never mind the Constitution and the laws that have been legally uh, produced. Well, here's what the Constitution says about that. The Constitution says that the president shall. Now, let's talk about that for one second. When you hear the words in a law or in a document that say shall or may, may means you could, you could do it or you could not do it. When you hear the word shall, that means you will do it. All right, so here the Constitution says the president shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. That doesn't mean he has to personally enforce the laws. The attorney general, law enforcement, other, other prosecutors do that. But the president is the number one law enforcement officer in the country, and he is there to make sure that the laws that have been lawfully passed by Congress are fully executed. So the laws about immigration that are in place currently right now doesn't say you can open the border and everybody in the world that wants to come pouring across our border can come on in, be given a phone and a hotel and an airplane ticket and American rights and everything else. Doesn't say that. No matter how nice the people are, no matter how much they want to come to America because it's better than where they live, the president shall enforce the laws make sure that they are faithfully executed. So if you don't do that, if the president doesn't faithfully uh, support the Constitution, if the president doesn't faithfully make sure that the laws are enforced, is that impeachable? Is that something you would throw a president out for? Well, that's the purpose. You shall make sure the laws are faithful. Now, are we seeing that now on the border? down on the south border? Is he faithfully executing the laws that are in place that tell you you can't just come across the border? No, he's absolutely doing the opposite of that. We got 
millions of people pouring into our country, now going to all these sanctuary cities, aren't they a joke? It's great to, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, virtue signal. We are a sanctuary city. Everyone can come here. We love you all. We want you to come until they come. And then they come and they keep coming and you don't have the resources and you're affecting your own population's resources by giving all your resources that you have for your citizens to people who are not citizens. So I would say it is impeachable because he is not accidentally not enforcing the laws. He is purposely not enforcing immigration law. He's trying to change the system, fundamentally change the system by picking and choosing what he wants to do. And the Constitution does not give him the right to do that. That is not upholding the Constitution. That is not faithfully executing the laws of the United States. So why then does the Congress, who calls for impeachments, not have a House hearing on this right now and impeach Joe Biden? Why don't they do that? They're Republicans because they're weak. Now, not all of them. Jim Jordan's good. Uh, Gomer is good. You got, you got some really good, strong conservatives who would do the right thing. But the majority of the Congress, the Republican Congress, is very weak. They've had a year already to do all kinds of things, and they've had a lot of hearings, a lot of hearings, a lot of hearings. Haven't done a lot. They only got a year left. And then they could be voted out because you know what? They're wishy-washy. And I would suggest that, that every single person out there, every conservative, every Republican, registered Republican in every single state, look at your Congress personnel, the men and women that are your congressmen, and see if they've done what you want them to do. Have they done the right things? Have they stood up strong? Have they pushed for your rights to be upheld? Have they enforced the laws? Do they look out for your best interest? If they don't, and there's a primary, then every single one of them that don't should be thrown out of office through election. That's right. Get rid of the weak Republicans. Get rid of the, rid of the, wino, the rhinos. Get rid of them. Get in conservatives, and then they'll do conservative things. Right? So you, you get what you vote for. And I know my guy is great. The rest of them are horrible, but my guy is great. Well, if your guy is part of the mess and not standing up and screaming and hollering and demanding that the rest of them do the right thing, then your guy is part of the problem and got to go. Got to go, right? That's where weakness causes us a problem. So the Constitution is clear. But why hasn't the Republican Congress taken a cue from our friends on the left when they ran the Congress and they impeached President Trump for a phone call, which was completely legitimate. Why did they do that? Because they had the power to do it and they had the balls to do it. The Republicans are weak and that's why they won't do it, right? Um, what, what do our friends on the left do when they have power? They wield that power. In, they don't care if it's constitutional or not. They let the court figure it out three years from now, but I'm doing this now. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about precedent. They don't care about anything. They march as one group forward. They go in lockstep with each other. They circle the wagons and they move forward and wield power to change the world around them. And what do our weak Republicans do? Well, 
we don't know. We, we're not going to get reelected because I'm in a weak district and that district, you know, Biden won that district, but I got my seat. So I have to vote again. This is weakness. This is human character weakness, right? If you are there to support a position and by supporting that position, you lose your seat in Congress, then that is what you should do. You should stand up for what's right and let the chips fall where they may. And I absolutely believe that. Have I had to do that in my life? Yes, I have. I have had to make choices that were personally costly to me because I chose to do the right thing. And was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. Was it hard? Yes, it was hard. Was it frustrating? Yes, it was frustrating. But I did it because it was the right thing to do. And all of us are called to do the right thing. So our Congress personnel, these weak Republicans who are worried about their reelection. Now, that is there a reality? Sure, they might get thrown out and they're voted Democrat and then you lose it. But it's better to stand for truth and righteousness and lose than to mealy mouth, uh, scurry around on the ground like a little rat, go with things you don't believe in, go against principles to just keep your cushy job, right? So that's, that's another part of, of weakness. So why hasn't President Biden been impeached already? We, we can see immediately he's not doing what the Constitution says he has to do. Not may do, what he shall do. See, that's where the wording is so important. So he should be impeached. And uh, of course, the Senate will not go for it because we don't control the Senate. And remember, our Democrat friends, they don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about tradition. They would just vote no. And they have the power to vote no. We're not going to do it. We're not impeaching the guy. Uh, but the reality is just because of that, you don't do it. Well, let's say Joe Manchin decided to do the right thing and vote with the with the Republicans and this in the Senate and throw Joe Biden out. Well, that would be the right thing to do. But is it possible? Probably not. But does that mean you don't do it? Just because it's not possible to come out the way you want? No, you stand for principle. You stand for doing the right thing. That's what's missing. We don't have people that stand for principle anymore. It's expediency. What's easy? What's the easy thing to do? What do I get? What do I get out of it? Never mind what's good for the whole country. Right? So these these are very, very weak people. So Biden will not be impeached. He certainly should be impeached. What's with all these committees about this crime and this money and this and that? And people are fighting it by this guy's got all kinds of money coming in from around the world. And we pretend like, oh, it's perfectly normal that you have 20 shell companies. That's why everyone has 20 shell companies with money coming from China and Ukraine and all these other. But of course, that's perfectly normal that my kid, my kid gets jobs with these companies for hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and has no idea how to do the business. But they just hire him. It has nothing to do with corruption. That's that he just he's good. He's a great painter, too, on top of everything else. Right. The fact that it's right there in front of us and it's ignored by our, our friends on the left means they're all corrupt. It's ignored by our media, which means they're corrupt. Right. Our country is now in a place where all of the, the things, the bedrock things that allow a democracy to flourish, a free place, a republic to flourish for the good of everyone. All the underpinnings of that, the rule of law. 
adherence to the Constitution, sacrificing for greater good than yourself, all those things are gone. We don't have them anymore. People don't stand for those kind of things. They stand for what's in it for them. Right? How do you go to Congress making 200000 a year, spend 10 years there, maybe you made, okay, you earned $2 million in 10 years. Okay, 200000 a year. It's, it's a good salary. It's not a bad salary. Right? In many parts of the country, 60000 is a good salary. So 200000 is a good salary. And at the end of 10 years, you made $2 million. You probably could have bought a house. You maybe bought a, a boat. You could have some nice things. You go on some nice trips with a $200,000 $200, salary. But how is it these people get into Congress and 10 years later and 12 years later, they got $14 million and $18 million and $35 million and beach houses and all these other things? How is that possible? Because it's corruption. That's why they get in and they don't leave. That's why I'm saying every single one of them should be primaried. Every single one should be primaried. And you should look at your Congress people, your senators, and say, have they done the right thing by me and the country? And if they haven't, throw them out. It's as simple as that. Well, he's a good guy. I really like the guy. He comes across well. Don't be so stupid. Don't be naive. If they're not voting for what's important, if they're not standing up for principle, then they're not good. They might make a good presentation, but they're not really good. So you want to toss them out. That's the idea. So if Biden's not going to be impeached, who are they going to? Are they going to impeach anybody? Well, now they're talking about impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, the uh, head of uh, Homeland Security. This individual is absolutely a toady and a sycophant of President Biden. He's there to serve that purpose, not to do the job of the head of Homeland Security, the Secretary of, of Homeland Security. He is not protecting our borders. He is willfully using his personnel to usher people in. Make sure that we know who their names are, which they really don't know. Uh, you know make sure they get their phone. Make sure they get their phone and, and get them into the country as quick as possible. That is not securing the borders. Now, this man has lied to Congress. It is clearly uh, clearly seen when they ask him, are the borders secure? Yes, they are secure. The most secure they've ever been. So how do you define that? Okay, so Bill Clinton was great at parsing words. So parsing words means using words or phrases or terms that allow you a lot of wiggle room. Remember when he stood up in front of all of us, Bill Clinton, and he said, depends on what is, is, right? He was parsing his words, a two-letter word in the English language. And depending on the meaning of is, uh, you know, he either did something real bad or he did something stupid. Right? Well, that's what Mayorkas says. Is the border secure? Oh, yeah, the border is the most secure border we've ever had. So, so we're defining a secure border as that we have an easy transport of people from one side of the border to the other side into the country. So it's very secure. Our people are watching this. We're, we're, we're funneling people through. It's very, very secure. Of course, that doesn't take account for the two million gotaways that, you know, that's not so secure. We don't know who they are. We didn't, we didn't see them. We didn't find out what they're all about. They just got to come in and run away into the country, you know, and the terrorists and all that stuff that have come in. So when he sits in front of Congress under oath and says, yeah, the border's secure, he's defining a secure border differently probably than you and I are defining it. When I say a secure border, a secure border means people can't just walk in. 
They can't just cross over a river or cross over a landmass and step into the country and go, hey, I'm here now. Give me all the rights. Give me all the stuff. I want everything. See, I would say that's not a secure border. See, my secure border would be a place where people can't just get in here. And if they want to come in, they have to go through the lawful method. They have to apply. They have to um, follow the rules. They have to do all the things that are set up. Because immigrating to the United States is not a right of every single human being in the world. They don't have a right to come here just because they want to. Right? This is our country. And I don't care about the race of the people. So are you idiots sitting in your basement taking notes about what I'm saying? I don't care about the race. Do it the right way. And then you get to come in. Right? It's exactly correct. We have rules for a reason to prevent chaos, to prevent people coming in who shouldn't come in, people who may be dangerous, like those people on the terrorist watches. Why are they on the terrorist watches? Because we just don't like them? No, because they've demonstrated something in their lives that makes them a concern for the safety and security of our country and of your children. They could do something that hurt your children, you know, blow up a train, blow up a building go on a shooting spree, you know, those kind of things. We're trying to prevent that. So they're going to impeach Mayorkas. Actually, they're not going to impeach him. They're going to take a vote to see if they should impeach him. And I heard one of these weak Republicans saying, well, I think we almost have enough votes for that. How do you almost have enough votes for that? We see what this guy has done. He's lied to Congress. His definition is ridiculous. He doesn't enforce the law. He's very, very weak. And our country is endangered because of it. And he's been given chance after chance after chance. How many times did he go up to the house and testify? And he says the same stupid stuff every single time. Oh, it's perfectly safe. The border is safe. There's nothing wrong with the border. The border is perfect, perfect, perfect. Everything's great. In the meantime, we have all these people coming in. Now, they're not all criminals or mentally insane people that are coming here. But lots of them are. Lots of them are criminals because, you know, these countries are emptying out their jails and their mental institutions to get those people off their board, off their books. We don't have to take care of them. Get rid of them. Send them to America. You know, who else did that? Oh, yeah, the Cubans did that during the Mariel boat lift when uh, Fidel opened up his uh, mental hospitals and his jails and got all those people out and let them go to America. Right? Do you see the lack of common sense, the the naivety, the stupidity of what we're going through at this particular point in our history. Could you imagine if the founding fathers were here and saw this nonsense going on, what they would be saying? And what would they be called? You racist, you this, you that, you don't know nothing. Meantime, we're giving away the nation. We are getting rid of the rule of law. The Constitution is an impediment. And when that starts to happen, it's almost the end because we don't have everybody standing up for free speech, for rights. We don't have the president following his oath. And we have the guy in charge of homeland security. Remember that? Why did we create homeland security? Because we were attacked by people who want to destroy us. The problem we have now is some of those people that want to destroy us are part of our government, either through their weakness or through their intent. Think about that for a minute. We'll be back. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. 
It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Well, the year 2024 is upon us. And it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, welcome back. So we, we, we talk here a lot about uh, what goes on in the world and things that happen, and, and I'm looking at I wrote an article, and I don't know if, if we put it up on the platform yet. I have to check and see. And it, got, it was something that got me thinking. It was a concept of uh, basically there will always be a last time. Now let me explain that to you. It, it, it's pretty simple, right? There will always be a last time for many things that we engage in in our life. There will be a last time that you... Uh, enter your high school building, right? You graduate high school and you move on. And not such a big thing. But how many people actually go back to their high school? I think probably, I don't know. I've been back there a couple of times in the last 40 years for other events or things that went on in town. Uh, but it, it's not that big deal. There's nostalgia when you walk through it. You know, there was, uh, back in the day, I graduated in 1980. And 
there was some some of the kids in the school were artists and they went around and they let them paint murals on some of the walls and that became a a tradition like each class uh, they would give them an area and these the artist kids of the of the school for that graduating class would paint some kind of mural on the wall and as i was walking through i i, I said oh there's there's the mural and i i know those kids names you know i haven't spoken to them in well, how many years is it? 44 years, 45 years, whatever it is. Uh, some of them I have. I still see some people. I still see some people from high school. I'm still friends with some of them. You know, um, social media opened that up for a lot of us, didn't it? We, we uh, got involved with uh, social media and all of a sudden you could find people that you, you lost touch with years and years and years ago, which I think that's probably the only redeeming quality of, of all of this is that you get to contact people you lost. But the idea of there'll always be a last time when you get more serious about things. And I, and I guess what got me thinking here is that uh, a very good friend of mine who happens to be from my high school days, uh, my good buddy, my best friend at the time back in, back in school, uh, we've, we've seen each other over the years. Our families were friendly and, you know, we used to go camping together with our boys. My boys are the same age as his boys and we had, we had great times. And then, you know, you kind of lose track of each other. Um, we'd see each other once a year, maybe at the holidays, uh, maybe in the summertime, if one of us was having a party or something, we'd reach out, hey, and then we'd get together. But in high school, we were, uh, you know, thick as thieves, as the, uh, as the saying goes. We were, we were good friends. We hung out every single day. We did stuff. Uh, I played music back then, and uh, my buddy would come along, and, and he, well, he wasn't a musician. Uh, for guitars and stuff. He was a, a trumpet guy. And when we were in grade school, we were trumpet guys together. And uh, I guess that that bond really lasted forever. Well, what really got me thinking was that I hadn't heard from him for a while. And a couple of a couple of my friends, you know, the guys in the neighborhood, they were like, "Hey, why don't we uh, why don't we get together and have a, a poker game, play some cards, you know, get some people together?" So I said, "That's a good idea." And I thought about it for for a week or two and figured out some time and I, I sent out a message to about 10 of these fellas that I'm friendly with that I hang around with now today as an adult and I said hey you guys want to have a want to have a, a game a poker game and I heard from a bunch of them and, yeah that's great Saturday be excellent we'll do that I said all right um, and then I saw a response from this one friend my high school friend and he says I'm going to give you a call now, sometimes you, you get, uh, you know, a phone call make is easier. I, I prefer to, you know, text than talk. I'm not a phone person. I hate getting on the phone. I, I like to go quick on the phone. Hey, how are you? You coming over? Yeah, see you in five minutes. You know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't sit on the phone for hours and talk. Uh, Miss Kathy, she can sit on the phone and talk for hours to her friends. You know, they talk about everything in the world and they'll sit on the phone for hours. God bless them. But I'm not that. So my buddy uh, calls me and he goes, hey, did... Uh, you know, I got your text, and uh, I, I would really like to come uh, to the game. But I'm starting chemotherapy um, Friday afternoon, and I won't be able to get there because I'm not going to be feeling well, according to the doctor, on Saturday. And I was a little surprised. I mean, chemotherapy, uh, that means cancer. That means all the negative things that go with cancer. And I said, well, what, what's going on? He goes, well, uh, strange as it is, um, back in the summer, 
my son had come over and he brought some food and we were eating and talking about, you know, his family and things that we're going to do and the holidays coming up and all that. He goes, and I got sick after eating this, uh, this food. And it went on for three days. I kept, uh, I couldn't keep any food down. I couldn't keep any, anything down and I felt horrible. So uh, I went to the hospital. And I get to the hospital, and they said, well, maybe it's your appendix. We don't know. It could be this, that, and the other thing. They ended up taking, uh, doing a CAT scan, and they found out that he had um, a, a gigantic kidney stone, right? Oh, and anybody who knows those things. Now, I'm, I'm so, so far lucky I haven't had those, uh, but a couple of uh, my good friends have had them, and they, if you've had them, you know what they're like. They suffer with them. Well, apparently, up to like a four-millimeter size, you can pass naturally, but it's very painful, uh, he said the one that they found in him was about eight millimeters and that was, uh, you couldn't pass it that way. They would have to do surgery to remove it. And I said, wow, that's, that's really tough. He goes, yeah, that's not the, uh, the be all and end all. It was when they took the CAT scan, it goes, uh, they did it for the, you know, for the kidney stone, but the doctor noticed something on my lungs and he said, you need to go to a, um, a doctor who looks at cancer and they went in and they did two surgeries and those two surgeries uh, did biopsies and it turns out that he has inoperable lung cancer now this was this was shocking now it happens every day right people people end up with cancer every single day people die every single day all these things. but when it hits close to home it's it's harder to deal with it's it's not something that you're you're expecting, right? And I guess that happens to, to everybody. Now, I know in my life, um, I, 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 I have had people die. You know, I've told you the story of my dad who died at 37. He was very young, had a heart attack uh, while we were on a hunting trip. I was just a kid. And that was devastating to me and my family. But it, it taught me a lot of lessons across life, you know, to expect, uh, enjoy every day, love every day is really the kind of thing. So when my buddy is telling me this story, I said, so what do you mean it's inoperable? He goes, yeah, they, they can't, they removed a bunch of stuff, but they can't get everything. And I talked to two different specialists and basically um, one specialist told me uh, it could be six, six to eight years I can expect to live. And then I went to another, um, I guess, much more experienced specialist who said, um, you're looking at probably two to four years life expectancy. Now, as he's telling me this, all of a sudden, it's starting to really come into focus what this young man just told me. Um, two to four years. Now, I know some people, maybe even some of us listening here today uh, in this get-together, you're going to get out, go in your car, heading to home, do whatever you're going to do, get a car accident, you end up dead. You know, you don't expect it. You don't see it coming. But here's my buddy. He has that, you know, regular everyday life, end-of-life thing to look at that we all do. But he's also now got this timeline this real timeline uh that could be anywhere i guess you know from two years to ten years you know who knows doctors tell you one thing or another and i don't mean to be maudlin here what i'm talking about is the value of life how much we value life is extremely important you know we have a culture we have a death culture with abortion and letting you know uh, canceling grandma because she's troublesome so let her commit suicide and you know that's one of the things we've talked about but here's my friend a good guy a really and a good man good father good husband 
a good guy in the community, does a lot of things to help people, and he's just been given this timeline, um, two to four years, and you'll be gone. Now, we all know that he can last longer than that, but it got me to thinking, and that's where the whole article had come from. I, I had seen something, um, whatever it was, and it just reminded me that there's always going to be a last time. There's going to be a last time you um, hold your wife's hand or she holds your hand. There's going to be a last time. Um, and it's not so much, that, you know, here I am in my 60s now and, and I'm, I'm thinking about death. It's not true. It's just that it becomes part of of the equation now that it really wasn't in the past. Um, Kathleen and I were talking about this and I said, you know, if you figure the the average lifespan of men and, men and women, you, you figure it 80 years is right the most. Men are less than that. I think women are 78, men are 72, something like that, whatever it is, but it's close to 80, right? So you can break life down then into four 20-year periods. Uh, and that's what we did. You know, oh, your first 20 years, you know, that's when you're growing up, going to school, you get driver's license, you know, you might start your life. Then from, from 21 to uh, 40, you are raising a family, working on your career. From 40 to 60, you know, you're, you're really in your prime. You're making your money. You're going on vacation. You're enjoying life. It's really good as long as, you know, you stayed healthy. And then, you know, from, uh, from 60 to 80 is really the last quarter of life. It's the last quarter. Um, our bodies are mortal. You only get so much time. Sure, there are some people who will live to 100 and something. And then, like my dad, unfortunately, he, uh, he, only, uh, he didn't make it out of the uh, second quarter. You know, um, it's reality and you start to see that equation and life becomes life becomes much more valuable, right? Because you start to see every holiday as important. I have grandchildren now. My kids are all grown and they're they're starting families of their own and they have these grandchildren and and I look at them and they come for the holidays. It's absolutely wonderful. Like every moment that they come is wonderful. You start thinking about um preparing that for them to come and they're going to sleep over and it's going to be so exciting and, and it really was you know this uh, recent holiday season we had everybody come and stay over and all the kids the little ones running around it was absolutely wonderful but then you start to realize that there comes a time that there'll be the last time you will participate in that or see that or be with that that kind of a thing and like i said i don't want to be maudlin about it i'm trying to use it as an opportunity to celebrate life and that's what that that lesson kind of has taught me and when my buddy called and said uh he's got this terminal cancer you know he's now got a timeline i don't know what my timeline is i'm thinking oh, i could lift i could be one of them people that live to be 100 and i'll see my great-grandchildren right um or maybe not maybe i get hit by a bus tomorrow or i get some kind of medical diagnosis that says oh guess what you're done you know so it's really about celebrating life, and and that is the point of um, of the column was that there'll always be a last time. Look around your life, and think about all the things that you do, and all the things that you love, and the people you love, and the places you like to go, and the things you enjoy, and realize it, doing it or seeing those people or being with those people, the time that you have with them, it could be the last time. When they say goodbye or you leave or whatever, could be the last time you see them. It makes that time together much more valuable, right? And that's that's the beauty of life. Life is valuable. Life is wonderful. So even though 
my buddy now has this terrible timeline, he has a chance to um, tighten up some loose ends, right? If there's relationships in his life that that went asunder or went bad, he has a chance to fix them. He has a chance to um, to change maybe some relationship things that people are out there. People who go unexpectedly, they, they don't have a chance. My, my mother-in-law, God bless her, she was 81 years old. She's a wonderful woman, smart, uh, completely with it. Um, and she woke up one day getting ready to go to church and went in the bedroom to get dressed. And my father-in-law, Ted, who's our number one fan here, he, he, he just called out to her, where are you? What are you doing? Taking so long. And he went in the bedroom and she had had a massive stroke and she passed away that day. But she never got to say goodbye to anybody. She never got to tighten up any loose ends. She never got to tell Ted how much she loved him before she went. And that I find to be, to be sad. That is a sad thing when you don't get to do that. So my friends, what I'm saying is that consider the idea that of the last time, there'll always be a last time, who do you love? Are you having problems with somebody? Have you, have you had an estrangement in your life with a family member or friends or somebody you haven't seen? Or is this, this just there's people that you really love that you just don't get in touch with anymore? You know, reach out and go find those people. That is celebrating life because if you might not have seen them for a long time and then you get together, if that is the last time, you'll have a wonderful experience. You'll connect with those people. And that is what this is about. It's not maudlin. It's not, um, you know, a pessimistic because you know what? None of us get out of here alive. It's just understanding that at this moment, which quarter are you in? The first quarter of life, second quarter, third quarter, or fourth quarter? If you're in the fourth quarter, then have the cake, is, I guess is the thing. Have the cake, enjoy the friends, go somewhere you've never gone. Uh, do something you've never done. Connect with people. Enjoy that life, that flavor of life. It's also a time to focus on your faith, right? There's a time to focus on your faith. Um, you know, I remember my, my dad, um, I was a kid when he died. I was only 14. But I remember all of a sudden I saw, we, you know, we were twice a year church people. You know, we went to church at Easter and Christmas. And then all of a sudden I remember my dad reading the Bible a lot. And I found out later on after he passed that my mother had said he was having, you know, chest pains, he was having troubles and he went to a heart doctor and they said, yeah, it was really infancy of understanding uh, the way we know now heart disease. And uh, they told him, oh, he's under stress because he has his own business. He's under stress because he's got a young family, this, that, and that's what the chest pains were all about. And it turns out he was, he was all clogged up in his heart and it, it, it caught him climbing up a big mountain going hunting and, uh, and he, and he passed. But I remember him reading the Bible and I said to my mother, why was he reading the Bible all the time? Because he said, realizing he had some problems, he wanted to reconnect with his faith. So it kind of shook him and it got him to reconnect with his faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and that's what I'm talking about here. There could always be the last time and you should value, well, my opinion, you know, you do what you want to do. You should value all of those things that you love and the people that you love and spend time with them because it might be the last time you're with them. So I hope I didn't depress anybody out there, you know, here at our new time slot, 1 p.m. Uh, all weekdays. I hope I didn't depress you. I'm just giving you a little heads up. No matter what quarter of life that you're in, you still have a chance to change the, um, change the path that you're on. You can certainly um, 
change what you're doing and make things better because you got time. See, that's the thing. You didn't just get hit by a bus. You just listened to Lieutenant Joe on the radio and I'm reminding you to be with the people you love, be with your friends, pick up the guitar you haven't played in how many years, play the guitar, eat the cake, right? Go do something because you have a chance to do something. That's the value of understanding that it could be the last time. All right, so we're gonna get away from that. We're gonna get away from that. We're gonna talk about some things that are going on here. So I, I gave you a list recently, a list of things uh, that were Joe Biden failures, President Joe Biden failures. You know, we went over this list, Afghanistan, the economy, uh, free speech, the attacks on, on all the things, the, the, the immigration crisis and all that. Well, I started thinking of, you know, what, what is the, what are the signs, what are the symptoms of a declining society? And I don't mean, you know, homeless people in the street and all that kind of thing. That's a different kind of decline. The decline I'm talking about is the decline of a constitutional republic. Because for those of you who are new here at the one o'clock hour and haven't heard me talk about this before, I always say that the default position of humanity is to live under tyranny because it's always the strong person that grabs all the resources, has the power, and can, can force people to do things. Look at historically, we've had kings and czars and emperors uh, and, and all these kind of people that were single individual rulers and they dictated how everyone would live. So America is a unique uh, and it is a special place because of the fact that we have this republic where we have a vote and it's we the people, right? Not the, the leader. But over time, we see that that is changing. We see that is changing. Our friends on the left, uh, they are much more uh, autocratic. Uh, they keep screaming about, they wanna protect democracy. And at the same time, they wanna knock people off the ballot that they don't wanna hear from. Um, they wanna have 77,000 different ways to vote uh, so that you know it can be manipulated. Uh, they use the courts against people. They use, they've weaponized the law enforcement agencies. The courts, the law enforcement agencies, that's, that's one, of the, one of the telltale signs uh, of a declining republic is the use of the power of the government to control people and make them do what they want. So controlling your free speech, you know, all of these speech codes, now, maybe the people on the street who are streaming, screaming and hollering about, uh, you know, hate speech and you shouldn't be able to say certain things and we should make laws against saying certain things. They're not understanding the value of free speech. And we talked about this. Um, even if it's ugly speech, it should be allowed because we want to listen to what people are saying when it's ugly. They tell you what they're going to do. But these people on the left who want to control speech because they don't like what you say, that they, I think, are they think they're being genuine. You know, they think they're being. Uh, nice, and it's, it would be nicer if we got rid of ugly words. And uh, they're not really understanding human nature. But for the governmental people who are using them, the people who are running the power, who go, "Hey, yeah, these are useful idiots." You know, there's a term, "useful idiots," uh, and these are people who usually mean well. Uh, they believe things uh, because they see things as a uh, as a way to make things better, and they don't realize they're being used. Uh, because, you know, human nature is just what it is. The, it's the default uh, position of humanity to live under tyranny. And therefore, that tyranny is always in the background. Now, we've, we've kept it at bay for uh, 200 and something, 40 years. 
You know, we keep each generation has passed freedom on to the next one. We've valued it. We have. Um, it's gone up and down and bumps and this and that, but it, but in general, we have valued it. We have taken care of it. We have maintained it. And in the last 15 or 20 years, we can see the decline of this republic because we can see the decline of our rights. We can see a government becoming more and more powerful. And when we see the symptoms of using some of the most powerful tools that government has, which is law enforcement and the courts, uh, when that is manipulated to do the will of the government against the people, uh, you, now you have the decline because it's a, it's a rapid decline. All right. So how, how do we do that? Well, I, I could come up with this list. Let's see. We had President Trump who came out of nowhere from the private sector. Now, everybody knew him. He was a, a TV guy. He was a rich billionaire guy. Everybody knew the whole Trump persona. Uh, he was a playboy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And until he got into politics, he was revered on the left. A lot of people were his friends. They wanted to be his friends. Uh, they really liked him a lot. When he got into politics and he didn't come out on the left side of things, he came out on the more conservative side of things, then he became an enemy of the left and he was targeted and from the minute he came down the escalator uh, we saw the attacks on him the attacks by the media attacks by everyone on the left because he was espousing more conservative things um, and conservative things are the enemy of liberal things right just like liberal things are the enemy of conservative things because they're 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 opposed to each other two different sides just like the the death culture or the life culture you know, we've come to that strong of a position now where um, we are opposed to each side very, very strongly, no matter where you sit. Even if you're sitting in your basement taking notes about Lieutenant Joe and you don't like the conservative things he says and you don't like the things he's traditional things he says and you take all your notes. Right. The reality is we've come to that place and. What the list I would make would be, let's see where we see these symptoms. Well, Trump comes down that escalator and they don't expect him to win. They make jokes. Remember when he was saying Obama, he was talking about Obama and Obama says, well, the difference between me and you is that I was president and you never will be. And that's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said, meaning Trump's not going to get elected. No one thought Trump was going to get elected. But the people in the country were sick and tired of the system the way it had been run, that the elites were controlling everything, that this this elite political class was making all the decisions and not listening to us. And for those of us on, on the right side of things, on the conservative side, how annoyed are we with our own rhino Republicans? For years, for years and years and years, you remember what they said? Well, we can't do anything because we don't have power. If we had power, we could do it. We need the Congress. So we went out and voted and they had the Congress and they didn't do anything. They said, well, we can't just do it with just the Congress. We need, to, we need to have the Senate as well. And then they got the Senate. And they still didn't do anything. Well, we can't do anything just with the, with the Congress and the Senate. We have to have the presidency. And then we got the presidency. And they didn't do anything with that because they really weren't about making big changes and being conservative. They were about going along to get along to keep their cushy lives. And that's just the reality of these these politicians people not all of them some of them are very good uh, and do the right thing but they go there to stay there forever right they don't go there to do their do their congress for two terms and then go home like the, the founding fathers thought we would do and the reality is we see them clutching in and what they have done to donald trump like him or not 
what has been done to him as an American citizen who ran for office. As a private citizen running for office, the way he was attacked, the things that they have used against him are the symptoms of a declining republic. It's obvious. So he comes down the escalator and immediately he goes from being a friend of the left to an enemy of the left. They start to uh, attack him personally. They go after, he's a liar about money, the things he said. Now, the things he said about grabbing women and what women let you do when you're rich and famous, they were ugly. Those are ugly words. You know, I, I have a daughter, I have a wife, uh, I have aunts, you know. I don't want anybody doing anything like that to them. But is there any truth to that? Oh, that's a hard thing to say. Is there any truth to that? Uh, that rich and famous people get to do what they want to do and other people, yeah, how about you ever hear of groupies? chasing rock bands around you, you think they they didn't get to do whatever they wanted to do with those groupies and the groupies went along with it it's just a it's a reality of some situational relationships uh i'm not saying good or bad it's just the truth right but he came out he said it and was ugly and he was attacked for it and they tried to ruin him and go after him. meantime we saw people on the left doing horrific ugly horrible things to each other all the time and that was perfectly acceptable because they're cool they're progressive man they're into new things whatever and then when he was elected, they lost their minds. And then they impeached him twice over nonsense. And now look at all the court cases he has. They're all in liberal states, in liberal districts with liberal prosecutors going after this guy for things that they've never gone after anybody before as president of the United States. They're talking about putting him in jail and they're all deployed. Let's put him in jail. Let's bankrupt him now is the thing. Let's take all his money. Let's shut him down. All of these things, and like I said, whether you like Trump or not, the things that they're doing to him uh, as a candidate and then as the president, the lies that were told by the FBI and the CIA and the, the Department of Justice when they knew all of that stuff was not true and they went along with it anyway and they chase him down to this very day because they're afraid he's going to get back in, right? That is evidence proof positive of a declining republic. We can't sustain this and we can't continue the way it's going. So the second half of our show today, I hope anybody think it was a little depressing. I just think things we need to think about, pay attention to and understand. Because remember, getting together here could be the last time we talk to each other. So until we do get together again, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem and go enjoy your life. 